Hey, Mark. Hey, Dennis. Do we still need to remind people that we don't dispense legal advice on this podcast? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we probably do. There could be stupid people listening. Yeah. Yeah. No legal advice. Not at all. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, inappropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. The Human Resources Director, Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. And it's another episode of The Hostile Work Environment with Mark and Dennis. Hey, Mark. Hi, Dennis. I understand you have some exciting news. <laughs> yeah, I announced today that I've got a new job. Yeah, congratulations. Tell us about it. So, yeah, in a couple of weeks, uh, actually, it'll be a couple of weeks after this airs, uh, I will be starting at Neighborhood Health Center as the Chief Human Resources Officer and Corporate Counsel. Very cool. Uh, they're a nonprofit medical provider here in the Portland area, and they serve underserved populations and at-risk populations, uh, providing primary care, dental care, um, preventive preventive care, and um, uh, it, I'm just super excited about it. Oh, that's it's going to awesome. be quite a departure from what I'm doing now, but I've been doing work with them for a few months as a client. Good, and, good, good. Uh, I really like them, and for some reason, I haven't been able to quite figure it out. They they really like me too. So yeah, that's well, that's you know, the baffling part. They'll right? get over that. Yeah, it's interesting. Both you and I have changed our jobs since we began this podcast, and that's only six months ago. That, that's true, though. I think that that's actually that actually makes sense to me at some level. I mean, yeah, I how think so? well, I mean, the genesis of this podcast came from. Me starting to go out on my own. True. And you potentially thinking about moving on and both of us feeling a little restless in our positions. That is that is very true. So it wasn't a foregone conclusion that that was the sort of thing that would happen. But no. it doesn't surprise me that it did in conjunction with the timing of the podcast. Yeah, I think you're probably right. You know, looking back, like when we started this was about the time I started having discussions with my new firm, yep. which I need to quit calling my new firm because I've been, been there, there for, for a while almost now. six months now. Is it really six months already? It's yeah, we're coming up. I, well, that means it's eight months into this podcast. Yeah, we're at, we're at, we started the podcast in early November. Of right. 17. And I went to the new firm in January. Was it January? Yeah, okay. January. So, which by the way, People at my firm now listen to this podcast. That's a good thing. Yeah. We got some really nice feedback from them. That's true. On our last episode. That's true. But it's kind of weird knowing the people that I know and see every day actually listen to this. Like now I can't say dirty words and stuff. Why not? They think of me as this fine, upstanding citizen who would never use words <laughs> like the kind so, that I use on this so show. So why not disabuse them of that notion sooner rather than later? Yeah, it's probably a good idea, don't you Better think? to have them find out now. Yeah. All right. I'll think about that. <laughs> on that note, of course, when your new employer listens to this podcast, that whole probationary period is going to come to a screeching halt. They already do. They already do? They already do. And in fact, and they I hired you anyway. And they still hired despite me. Despite that? Oh, my yeah. God. And uh, I even have played segments of the podcast during the trainings I've done for them. Have they listened to episode 29? I, I haven't asked. Because well, if, if there's one episode that's like the litmus test for whether, you know. It is episode 29. Episode 29. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, not an issue. And they're super Fair. excited to very cool to say like you should continue doing that. That is super very cool. So kudos to them. Good stuff all around. Yeah, that's the kind of employer you want. That's the right. kind that lets you moonlight doing potentially embarrassing things. That's right. So which is pretty much anything I do with you. So Yeah, pretty much. Guilt by association. That's right. So what are we going to talk about today? I got a case here today. Um, it's a little different. Uh, I don't think it's like uh, it's not an earth shattering sort of thing. But I, I found this uh, was sent to us actually by Elizabeth Grolke, if I'm remembering. She's a former colleague of mine and a listener of a podcast. And oh, asked cool. if we could kind of weigh in on this. It's an interesting case. Sure thing. Hi, Elizabeth. Uh, out of Florida. And all good things right, come from all, Florida. All good legal things funny, come I out actually, of Florida. I have a Florida story for our next segment. So oh, so this will just be could be the all Florida episode here. That's right. Um, and and uh, you know, I'll just lead off by saying it's a sad case. Did so, somebody get eaten by an alligator? No, but it's just as bad. Oh wow. Okay. So this is the case of Susan who had worked for Delmar Financial Services in in Florida. And I'm just going to kind of pick apart the case here real quick. Delmar Financial Services? Yes. Okay. Um, Susan was employed with them as a paralegal. And uh, it was Delmar Financial Service and a legal documentation support firm Gladstone – and oh, sorry, and Gladstone Law Group, which is a foreclosure law firm, I guess – they were joint employers of Susan. Gotcha. Uh, these were very interesting employers. Oh? They maintained a bar on premises. My kind of employer. That's Are right. they hiring? Uh, I'm sure you can find a website and make an inquiry now that we've just finished talking about how much you know you love your new job. Right. Well, maybe the thing to do is to get my new job a bar. That, that could be. Uh, a good idea, uh, or not, depending on how things go. As you hear the rest oh, okay. of the facts, is this going to make me case. think bars in the workplace are maybe not the coolest thing? It may cause you to have some questions. All right, all right. Um, I'll shut up. Please continue. <laughs> I, shutting up when you're the co-host on a podcast—not something I'm ever going to ask you to do. Okay, fine. Because otherwise, st- how about this? I'll stop interrupting. Uh, fair enough. Okay, tell the story. Okay, so. As the uh, opinion here in this case says, they maintained a bar on their premises and encouraged employees to drink alcoholic beverages during the workday to entice them to work additional hours and produce more work product. Okay, that's a little iffy. That's a weird way to describe it. Now, I mean, I know employers that have like a bar in their workplace, but it's more for like three or four in the afternoon on a Friday. Right. Um, when work is over. Right. Or or just when we're unwinding from the week and there's nothing critical happening. Right. I don't ever hear anybody talking about, here, have this bar available and drink all the booze you want at work yeah. to help make you work more. Because wouldn't your work product potentially suffer from that? I mean, it's been a long time since I've drank on the job. I think I've disclosed on this podcast prior instances where that has happened. Perhaps. But I was like 16 and it was 2 a.m. 
So I got to go back to like, you know, undergrad days when I was thinking like, oh, wow, you know, I should drink a six pack of beer and then study. That'll be a good idea. I found it wasn't. Not a great idea. Yeah, I I was somewhat less productive. I could see that like one drink could be relaxing and open your mind a little bit. Maybe. Arguably. But man, if you're going to like, if you're going for like drug use and productivity, you need to go with your stimulants, not your Not your depressants. No, you got to go. That's what cocaine is for. Yeah. Other than its, you know, whole legal status. Well, well, yeah, but we're talking about like medically prescribed cocaine. I assume oh. that's legal in Florida. Oh, you assume that's legal in yeah, Florida? Yeah, it's, 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 I've seen Scarface. So I assume okay. Florida is like mountains and mountains of cocaine. Apparently, potentially legal if yeah. medically prescribed. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, tell the story. <laughs> okay, Mr. Interrupty. Um, so. Apparently, these employers also knew that Susan uh, was had uh, an alcohol addiction problem. No, oh. uh, and they should have known this because she was required to attend AA meetings. Okay, did she do that during work time? Or? It's implied. It doesn't okay. say that in the okay. facts here, but okay. it's implied that they should have known because she was she was going to meetings. Okay, um, but it doesn't say explicitly. On June 19th, 2013, they served her many drinks at work that day. Apparently, they were all drinking. And they served her so many drinks that she became intoxicated and agitated. Uh, At that point, other employees escorted her out of the building, but they provided no assistance to her. So basically, they walked her out of the building and said, see you later. So basically, this workplace is a frat house with really crappy frat brothers. Yeah. I think that's a really apt description. Yeah. The kind that will leave you drunk on the stoop at 2 a.m. It then says that she could not reenter the building because her access had been revoked. But it doesn't say anything else about that, which I'm like. Weird. That's weird. Like, I mean, did they fire her or something? Like, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Um. She then began walking in the direction of her home. So she didn't get into a car. Thank God. Well, it's not going to matter. Well, as a driver. It's not going to matter. Oh. So she starts walking in the direction of her home, which was 10 miles away. Oh, my God. On the other side of the gator-infested swamp, because it is Florida. Uh, Correct. Uh, Gators don't really factor in here. But something bigger and worse than a gator does. Crocodile? Bigger. One of those snakes that they have problems not, with? Not animal. Okay. I, I give up. A train. Oh, sh- really? Yes. So one of the train employees observed that she was walking along the railroad tracks and was struck by a train. Oh, man. Her estate alleges that the employers were negligent in serving the alcoholic beverages. And... When you say her estate, yes, she we died. Should, we should assume that she's yes, now deceased. She was struck by a train and was killed. Okay. Um, the estate filed a lawsuit alleging that the employers were negligent in serving her alcoholic beverages within the scope of her employment, but then remove, you know, but then removing her from her place of employment without monitoring her safety or providing her transportation home. 
It claimed that it was foreseeable that she could walk and be struck by a train. Um, and they're looking for damages for her wrongful death. Right. The employers moved to dismiss the case on the grounds that no cause of action could be stated under the relevant section of the code, which I'm going to read to you now. Oh, please do. This would be Florida statute section 768.125 in case anybody wants to look it up. And it is titled liability for injury or damage resulting from intoxication. Oh, a person who sells or furnishes alcoholic beverages to a person of lawful drinking age shall not thereby become liable for injury or damage caused by or resulting from the intoxication of such person, except that a person who willfully and unlawfully sells or furnishes alcoholic beverages to a person who is not of lawful drinking age or who knowingly serves a person habitually addicted to the use of any or all alcoholic beverages may become liable for injury or damage caused by or resulting from the intoxication of such minor or person. So, if I understand that right, there is an immunity from liability for people who just generally serve alcohol unless they're serving it to minors or known alcoholics. That's how I read it. That's how I read it, too. I find it odd. It is odd. Most states do not have such a thing. In fact, Correct. most states have statutes imposing liability on people who negligently right. serve alcohol. So the bartender who is serving the obviously intoxicated person, right. um, that bar could have liability. Those are known as dram shop dram laws. Shop laws. That's right. I now understand, however, why college kids go to Fort Lauderdale for spring break. This certainly does provide some context, yeah. doesn't it? That helps explain things. So what do you think in this case? I think it boils down here on whether or not the employer knew that she had an alcohol problem. It's an oddly drafted statute because why would it matter if I serve a person with a known alcohol problem or not they're both going to get drunk and hit by a train. What does their past have to do with anything? And my knowledge of that past. I, I, but we're not here to debate the wisdom of the statute. Because right. we could be here all year doing that. I, I, think, I think what we would both conclude is the statute is a little off. It's a little dumb. But I think it all boils down to whether the employer knew that she had an alcohol problem. And if the employer did know that she was going to AA meetings, that's definitely an issue for the employer in this context. Um, I would also say this would be an interesting case, but could the estate also bring a claim against the employer for some sort of disability discrimination and failure to accommodate? Oh, that's because an interesting thought, an Dennis. alcohol problem is definitely a disability under the Americans with Disabilities Act. An employer has a, an obligation to provide reasonable accommodation. And if the employer is having a bar in the workplace and giving drinks to Susan, I kind of wonder if they have fulfilled their duty of reasonable accommodation in this case. So that's not part of the case. So right. let's just take that out for the moment. But let's talk about it. What... What obligation would the employer have under that circumstance? Um, and what obligation would Susan have to ask for it? I think. Ask for yeah, it being the accommodation that you're talking about. Yeah, let's do the second part first. Yeah. Um, 
if the employer knows that Susan has an alcohol problem, it may have an obligation to engage in the interactive process with Susan to see if there is an accommodation needed, even without Susan bringing it up. So even if she has not disclosed a disability per se? Well, if they know that she has an alcohol addiction. Okay. So that's a little different than saying she has an alcohol problem. There's a, well, dis- there's a tiny distinction there, but it might be an important one. How do you see the distinction being relevant? An alcohol problem could just be like she's gotten drunk a couple times. Oh, right? I it see. Could, it, or it could be an actual diagnosed condition. When I was using the term problem, I really meant an addiction. That's why I just wanted to clarify what we were talking about. But let, let's be more specific then. I'll yeah. use the term addiction. If the employer knows she has an alcohol addiction, maybe she's told them, hey, I need time off from time to time to go to AA meetings. Yep. Then they know they're on notice. She has a qualifying disability. If there's something going on in the workplace that interferes with her ability to get through the workday, given her disability, they now have an obligation to engage in the interactive process. Right. So should the... It would be an interesting engagement of that process, I think, in this case, right? Because would they then go to her and say, hey, we know you have this problem. We'd also like to have We also want to have a kegerator. Um, Is that going to be a problem for you? And if so, is there a way to accommodate it through a schedule change? You know, is the... Or or keeping it in a place that's physically not proximate from where you work. Right. Move Um, her desk, move her workstation, not require her to attend functions where alcohol is served if it's not central to her job functions. Um, But again, that's, that's not the suit that was brought. No, but I think think in some ways it's just as interesting, if not more interesting than the suit itself. Because I think, I think that you're onto something there that it could very well be, a potential obligation on behalf of the employer to have a discussion at least. Oh, at least yeah. around this issue. Yeah. And not be the awful frat brothers that you were talking about before. No, especially if you see the employee who's known to have an alcohol addiction, boozing it up and getting drunk. And then you just drop her downstairs and cut off her access to the building. I, that was that, weird. That, that's it's very weird to me. Yeah. So, so let's come back to the statute here. So what's interesting is you, you, you talked about the part of the statute about, you know, whether they knowingly serve somebody habitually addicted to the use of alcohol or, or consumption of alcoholic beverages. Right. I read that and I'm like, oh, that's a problem for the employers here. Yeah, me too. It's not. No. According to the opinion. They don't Why really not? talk about that a whole lot. Really? They focus on the first part, which is a person who sells or furnishes. Okay. And they don't talk about the word furnish. They only talk about the word sell. Right. And this employer didn't sell. Correct. In my mind, they furnished because to me, furnish means give. Mine too. So it's a question for me as to why I didn't see a little more discussion of that. Now, I did not peruse every word of this long opinion, but in my brief reading of it, I did not see any discussion of it. So if somebody goes and looks at it much more closely, maybe it's there later in the case and I didn't see it. But I didn't see that. So it comes down to a different question for them. It comes down to a question of whether... They sold it, and they didn't, in which case the statute doesn't apply. Oh, I see. But then they said maybe there's some other common law duty that's out there. And there's a case that they talk about, uh, if I can find it here, um, called Carroll Air Systems v. Greenbaum, 
which is a Florida case in 1993. And the estate is contending that this case is controlling. Uh, In that case, the employer was held vicariously liable, so liable for the actions of an employee. Right. um, That was driving while intoxicated and caused a fatal accident. The employee attended a business meeting where alcohol was served. By the way, those cases are not uncommon. Not at all. Because the employer usually has deeper pockets than the drunken employee. And so it's better to sue the employer because you're going to actually recover any any damages you receive. Absolutely. In this case, this Carroll case, the employee was found to be in the course and scope of his employment when the accident occurred. Right. So driving from a business meeting to some other work-related function. Yep. And they distinguish that case from this one and say, here, she was not doing anything in the course and scope of her employment because commuting time is not considered part of the course and scope of employment. Generally true. And because of that, they said, they are not finding liability in this case. Wow. Uh, Quoting here, the deceased was not in the scope of her employment when she was walking home along the railroad tracks. Okay, there's also uh, arguments here about heightened duty of care. Uh, and the question is whether there's such a duty of supervision on an employer where injury occurs outside the course and scope of employment, and they find not. Wow. So So Florida is a great state in which to provide alcohol to other people. I think that's the lesson we can learn. Would that be the outcome in other states? I doubt it. I mean, I think some maybe, but I think in most cases there's going to be liability on, on, on an issue like this. And I've written policies for employers Oh that allow God, alcohol consumption right at, at the workplace. And we have a long talk about, I want you to know the risk of this when right. you step into it. right? And oftentimes they say, this is a, a risk we're willing to take because it's the culture that we're trying to build. Right. And I have no problem with that so long Me as neither. the risks are spelled out. And I have advised employers to take reasonable precautions to make sure nobody's getting loaded. There's a monitor. Right. You know, don't have a fridge full of beer without a key to the fridge and just let it be a free-for-all. Because if somebody's got a problem, they're going to hit that fridge, they're going to have 10 beers, they're going to drive home, and you're going to get sued. Right. Now, that raises other questions of having a monitor. What if it's the CEO that's trying to do that and other folks are, right, that monitor is intimidated to say something? That is a problem. So there's internal politics and other things. Oh, totally. Power dynamics. This is not a risk-free area outside of Florida. We're apparently like, you know, drink all day and, you know. Just so long as you're commuting instead of in the car for a business reason. Yeah. Wow. Go Florida. Go Florida. Well, on that note, why don't we take a quick break and I'll be back with more Florida hijinks. Yay. So I have a Florida case to talk about. It also doesn't involve alligators. And I'm I'm personally disappointed. That's like zero for two on Florida cases. I know. We got to come up. If if anybody's got an alligator eating case, God. That has something to do with employment or not. Or not. Just really. We'll just talk about it anyway. We'll just talk about your alligator cases. This has to do with a deaf employee. So Christine D'Onofrio worked for Costco in Florida. She worked there for 24 years. And Ms. D'Onofrio was deaf. 
She began working there in 1989 as a stalker in a warehouse. In 2003, after having some disagreements with her manager, she transferred to another warehouse in Pompano Beach, Florida. But a few years later, that same manager also transferred to Pompano, and the same issues began again. What were those issues, you asked? I was just about to ask, what were the issues? You're being coy. So apparently, Ms. D'Onofrio really wanted to have an interpreter who could interpret between American Sign Language and Verbal English on-site at Costco to help her out with her work. So somebody who's with her all the time who can interpret... It's a little unclear that she needed that all the time. Okay. But she definitely needed it during certain meetings, and she needed it available to her from time to time during her regular work. And how long had passed before she asked for this as part of her job? Well, it sounds like this had been sort of a recurring request from Ms. D'Onofrio. Going back 26 years or whatever you said? Apparently so. Now, It is unclear from the information available to me as to why this was a problem with this one manager and not with managers in general, but it does seem to have been an ongoing issue with this one manager. Okay. So Costco didn't get her a translator. What they did do is something that I've heard of from time to time. They got video remote interpreting equipment. Oh, So there's actually a service you can subscribe to. They have it both for sign language via video and they have it for other languages just via audio. Where if you need interpretation services at work, you subscribe to this service. When you need it, you call in. It's kind of on demand. So if you need somebody to translate English to ASL, you get on a video. You, they will Somebody on the other end will appear. Just listening in on the conversation. Or watching in, as watching the case may in, be, yeah. and help translate. And that's what Costco did. Now, D'Onofrio says that's nice, and that was really good during, say, a meeting. But it wasn't really available to her during her workday when she really needed to communicate with somebody else. Okay. So that didn't fully get into, you know... The, the type of accommodation she needed. It gets a little iffy because she was actually reprimanded for yelling into the video phone during one of these interpretation sessions. But Ms. D'Onofrio has no ability to modulate the volume of her voice. Okay. That- I don't know if you've spent a lot of time with hearing impaired people, but a lot of them have no idea how loud or not they happen to be because they don't get any auditory feedback. Right. That strikes me as a little problematic. So what happened with her, she was ultimately fired after this long career at Costco. She requested further accommodation for her hearing impairment and complained about the discriminatory treatment she received because of her condition. And Costco up and fired her. They said that she had not been able to get along with others and had repeated instances of disruptive and insubordinate behavior. After 26 years. After 26 years. Well, guess what? A jury listened to that, and they they said, yeah, she probably deserved to get fired. Huh. 
Not quite sure exactly what she did. It's not facts available to us. I wasn't there for the trial. But they did find that Costco blew it on the accommodation front. And they awarded her $775,000. What I read into that is that while she probably did something to deserve to get fired, I think the jury was saying, but had Costco accommodated her, she probably wouldn't have engaged in the disruptive behavior that led to her termination. See, that's a very interesting outcome. Because based on the way you described it to me, I feel like it should have been the opposite of that. What, that they had accommodated the accommodation, her, there was some retaliation going the accom- on? Exactly. Yeah. Right? The accommodation sounds like they did right. Maybe, maybe not. And that's where... So a question, here's a question that comes up for me. Yeah. Was she able to perform the essential functions of the job? So was there an issue without the accommodation that she wasn't able to perform the job? What it looks like was going on. And this is what's frustrating like about what, this Remind case. me, was it a new job responsibility for her? No. So she'd been able to do the job for 26 years without doing, the accommodation. She'd been doing warehouse work. What seems to be new is this one manager. Whenever that manager was around, it seemed like she was unable to, to, to get it done. What could be going on here? And this is the frustrating part is that when it's a jury trial, we don't have a complete factual record in right. front of us. We don't it's, know it's what's really going on here. What I'm able to glean from the reports on this one is that her insubordination was difficulty that she was having communicating with other employees in the workplace. Mm -hmm. It may have arisen because she was just pissed off that she wasn't getting the accommodation she wanted. It, and that's a, that is a bit of speculation. It may also have arisen because the one manager that doesn't like her was not giving her the accommodation she wanted. That's fair. Let me go ahead. Yeah. Here's why I thought it was an interesting case. You and I have previously talked about reasonable accommodation. That's that's not a new concept for habitual listeners to this podcast. One of the concepts that we talk about from time to time is that employees are entitled to a reasonable accommodation. I was just about to go there. Not necessarily the one they want. Not necessarily the one they want. And does it cross over the line to an undue hardship? Right. Because the employer is not obligated to accommodate a disability or, or right, if, if doing so would be an undue hardship. Right. And that's going to be based on a whole bunch of factors. Now, the standard for Costco is going to be much higher. Because they're what's, rich. Because they're rich and they've got tons of money. So a Costco or a Walmart, right, might have more of an obligation than, you know, a single location employer with 10 employees. Right. You know, they're not going to have the financial resources to be able to accommodate something. Jim Bob's Stop and Shop in Elko, Nevada, which has five employees. I've been there. It's great. They have really great pork rinds. So I'm told I don't eat that crap. Anyway. (laughs) But thanks for telling us. Go to the Stop and Shop in Elko. They're probably not going to be required to hire a AD or ASL interpreter for a deaf employee. In a way that Costco might. You're right. I mean, I, I, that's a close call. That's a yeah. close call for me because even even for Costco, 
right? To have somebody who's available and on call all during all of the time that this employee is there. Yeah. That's that's asking an awful lot of Costco. Well, and there's another concept in disability discrimination law that plays into that. And that is that it is not a reasonable accommodation to hire somebody else to do the essential functions of your job. Right. And if an essential function of your job is to be able to communicate with your coworkers, you don't have to hire somebody else to do that for you. But you do have to provide a way for somebody to communicate if that's something that they do in order to do the essential functions of their job. Right. And, and, and it feels to me like the accommodation they tried to provide got a lot of the way there probably. It probably for the meetings did. anyway. It probably did. Where I would suggest there is a learning point here. It's in two things. One. Don't have a jury trial. Don't have a jury trial. Three things. <laughs> Sorry. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Um, so don't have a jury trial. Sometimes if, not an option. If you are not giving the employee the accommodation that they really want, but giving them the one that you think they need, keep in mind that to an extent you are substituting their judgment for your own. Stop and think and make sure, is there anything I am missing here? Right. Well, and can can the accommodation that you are suggesting allow them to effectively perform the essential functions of the job? Right. Because that's the key inquiry. Right. Also. Right. And I've had, I've had claims come up before, in litigation even, where they're saying, you didn't accommodate me. And the employer that I'm representing is like, like you yeah, were we performing do. the essential functions of your job just fine. Oh, yeah. We're I've not saying that, that you weren't too. doing that. Yeah. You're saying you couldn't do it. We're saying you did it just yeah. fine. So your performance so, eval exceeds expectations. You were great. Right. So no issue. Right. The other lesson I would say is when you are working with disabled folks and you are going to give them discipline, stop and think about whether the reason you're giving them discipline is maybe related to their disability. Right. Or Don't give Marley Matlin a written warning for being unable to modulate the volume of her voice. Or for expressing anger around the fact that there's an issue around her accommodation. Yeah, both of those are probably bad ideas. I concur. Also, and this is very important, in Florida, while you may not have liability for when you send your drunken employee home and they get hit by a train, I'm not so sure that's true if you send your drunken employee out into the swamp and they get bitten by an alligator. We haven't had that case yet, so it could turn out differently. But we're looking for it. But we're looking for it. <laughs> On that note, thank you, Dennis. We'll be back with the story in just a minute. We're back and we're bad. I think I used that one. You've done that before. We, you need some, some new material. Okay. I'll work on it. We have a listener story. It's titled HR Coordinator from the Black Lagoon. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, hi, Mark and Dennis. I just recently saw my old HR coordinator pop up uh, on LinkedIn. I assume job pop up on LinkedIn, uh, which reminded me of a story I thought I'd share. Uh, sorry, it took me so long to send it to you. No problem. 
Better yeah. late than never. On And that goes for all of you on sending your stories. Yeah, we don't care. Send them. Send them. Especially the gator stories. Uh, yes. We're also open to crocodile stories yes. or snakes eating people. What about caiman stories? They're like mini alligators. I think I think we have to allow Cayman stories because of our international listenership. Yeah. So if you're in like what Guyana, where do they have Caymans? Costa Rica. I saw Caymans in Costa Rica. Did you really? Yes. Oh, I was not in Cayman country in Costa Rica, so I missed out on the yeah. Caymans. On the north near the north border, near like um, I believe it's uh, Nicaragua on the north border of Costa Rica. Oh wow! Um, in I the saw Kanye, some... If it was the Caño Negro Wildlife Preserve, wow! I was on a boat ride there. Got to be. 13 years ago. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. We saw Cayman. Where we were, I saw something move in the water. I just caught a flash of it. And I mentioned it to somebody. I thought it might be a Cayman. And he said, no, that would be a basilisk. Also (laughs) known as the Jesus Christ lizard. Oh. Are you familiar with them? No. It's a a reptile. It can run across the surface of the water. I've seen seen pictures of those. Yeah. But I just caught a glimpse. That's a basilisk? Yeah. That's the so other. It's like different from the Harry Potter basilisk. Apparently, these do not turn you to stone. They have big fangs. Don't know. Okay. Didn't didn't get that close. Didn't. It was it was like literally a fraction of a of a second. Okay. Anyway. Fascinating. All right. So now that we are done with crocodile and crocodile related animals, um, back to our story. I think they're all known as crocodilians. Crocodilians. Fair enough. I used to work for a recruiting company in Los Angeles. The company was headquartered overseas, and the leadership in the L.A. office was pretty wildly unfamiliar with employment law. HR, Best kind of leadership. Yeah, unfamiliar with employment law, HR practices, or how to be a decent boss. We had a lot of issues at the company, including but not limited to almost no one was classified or paid correctly. Sexual harassment was rampant. Our handbook was possibly from the 60s. We had no formal HR, and our boss was, for the most part, pretty miserable to work for. The average age in the company was about 24 years old, so we talked uh, about a lot of these issues after work, at happy hour, of course. We talked about some work issues and their relation to some of the basics of employment law, such as we should be paid more than once each month, which actually you don't need to be. No. Just once a month. Unless there's some law in California, I'm not it says with. Yeah, right. Of California, I make no assumptions. Right. Um, uh, so such as we should be paid more than once each month. And being solicited for sex within a few weeks of working here is not good. No. And I'm pretty sure we all should have filled out an I-9. Yeah. <laughs> However. Yeah, I would advise compliance with immigration law. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good thing. Yeah. Uh However, because our boss had a short fuse and didn't come across as the type of boss to believe us or or make a change, we decided we should get outside help. I ended up reconnecting with an HR consultant who I worked with at a previous company. After a brief phone conversation, she agreed that we desperately needed her, so I brought her in. Based on my prior experience with her, I thought she would be a great fit. Narrator. She actually wrote in brackets, narrator. She was not a great fit. (laughs) We ended up hiring her, and one of the first things we fixed was employee classification. At the time, we were all hourly, filled out weekly timesheets, and were only paid once each month. HR was working on making some employees exempt, keeping some as non-exempt, and changing payroll so that we would each get paid twice a month. 
For reasons I still don't understand, she told me not to tell any other employees about the classification change. Maybe you guys can enlighten me on that. I've thought about that since I read this, and yeah. I, I don't. I, I assume she means not to tell anybody about the about other people's classification changes, because obviously you're going to know yourself if you're hourly right. or, you're, or you're salary exempt. It's hard to say. I just know that salary classification changes are super sensitive because people will take right. them the wrong way. Right. Like you think that person's a professional and I'm not a professional. Yeah. What, what's wrong with me? And if you have to take somebody from an overtime earning position and make them exempt, which, by the way, you don't have to do. You can always right. leave them hourly. Right. But if you do that, and it's often wise, they might get bent out of shape because they don't get overtime anymore. If you go the opposite so, direction, right. Right. even though you just allowed them to get paid time and a half, they now have to punch a time clock like some poor slob, and they feel it's a demotion. Right. I, it's so actually, it's a huge employee relations yeah, cla- issue. Classification is one of those things that I have experienced that everybody wants to be on the other side of. Oh, totally. It's totally a grass is greener grass sort of is thing greener. where, where the exempt employees are like, man, some overtime, you know, oh, they're working 80 hour weeks. So like, man, some overtime would be sweet. And right. The, the, the non-exempt hourly people are like, oh man, it would be nice just to not have to deal with the clock and to feel like I'm a professional. Exactly. So, so maybe that has something. Nobody's to do happy. With So despite thinking that it was a stupid rule, I agreed uh, not to say anything. I also knew that other changes were in the works. And while I wanted to be professional, I also wanted to let my coworkers know that we're working to make things better. One particular coworker and I discussed these issues frequently, including shortly after agreeing to the dumb rule. I can't remember exactly what we discussed. And my best guess is that it was confirming that we are are working out the pay frequency issue. But I know it was not about the exempt non-exempt issue. Later, in a meeting with our VP and HR coordinator, I mentioned discussing something with a coworker. HR immediately got angry with me, and no matter what I said, she continued to accuse me of sharing the exempt non-exempt change. She insinuated that I should be fired for that, which is insane considering I'd done nothing to piss her off prior to this or, in my humble opinion, done anything wrong. It would also be a violation of Section 7 of the National Labor Relations Act. Quite possibly. Um, though it's unclear whether our our uh, uh, contributor here was uh, supervisory or non-supervisory, whether she'd qualify mm. under the act. Good point. Uh, she did, however, ban me from being friends with this person. Oh, because you can do that. So our emails no were monitored. We could no longer go to happy hours together and <laughs> were even banned from talking to each other. <laughs> um Sounds like a lot of BS to me. Yeah. Because like they can't police your off off work time. It sounds like East Germany. Yeah. Of course, this pissed us both off. Why can't we have a working or friendly relationship? What's wrong with wanting the company to be better? Why can't we use some teamwork to make this a better place to work? So we took our friendship underground. We would walk out of the office and go in separate directions, but meet up a block later to talk. Oh, my God. We texted on our personal cell phones and would grab dinners together a few hours after work. 90% of it was just uh, friendly chatting about things like her cats or our relationships. Sometimes I would share things from meetings with HR, but it was never super specific and usually a positive internal change, a.k.a., hey, I think she's going to set up a sexual harassment training. Yay. Things remained relatively positive until one of our coworkers left. Right after she left, her LinkedIn was seemingly wiped. Her pictures disappeared, 
Her job descriptions and a lot of her connections disappeared. It was really bizarre, so someone asked her why. She apparently, allegedly, said that the company forced her to remove everything and that they took control of her account. Man, this is totally like East Germany. Yeah. Yeah. This shocked and upset a lot of employees, as most of them are recruiters and maintaining control of their LinkedIn. That's kind of vital. Uh, Their personal brand and maintaining professional relationships are all super important for their career. Not too long after that, the HR coordinator rolled out a new social media policy. A few of us were immediately skeptical, uh, so we did what we're supposed to do with everything, and we actually read the entire policy in full. Always a good idea. Most of it seemed fairly standard, but there was one clause that was worded in a way that suggested the company owned our LinkedIn pages. After privately discussing this with a few coworkers, we decided to lead a small revolt. We told everyone not to sign it. Yeah, stick it to the man. To pretend like we want to take it home over the weekend and read it or think about it. Casually missed the deadline. One guy sent a copy to his dad's lawyer. Someone else did a deep dive into the LinkedIn terms and conditions. We refused to give in. Eventually, the VP and HR coordinator realized that no one was signing them. It's been a few years, so I can't remember exactly how this went down, but eventually someone, not me, pointed out the clause that was presenting, uh, preventing us from signing it. This pissed off both the VP and the HR coordinator. In our minds, this solidified the theory that they were, in fact, trying to claim ownership of our LinkedIn pages. Our VP yelled at us, and HR refused to change the language. They both insisted that the clause did not mean that the company owned our LinkedIn pages. We said if that's the case, just change the language. Yeah. Remove the clause. Problem solved. Whatever. We won't sign it like this. They still refused, and a standoff started. Suddenly, my secret friend coworker started getting password reset requests on her LinkedIn several times a day. This is no coincidence, we thought. They're after us. We spread the word for everyone to change their LinkedIn primary email address to a personal email. We will not be defeated. (laughs) After several weeks of back and forth, HR gave in and changed the verbiage. Victory tasted so sweet. HR still accused me and my non-friend of leading an unnecessary, uh, unnecessary revolt and continued to threaten to fire me, but she couldn't prove anything. I continued to be a part of HR meetings and continued to stay secret friends with my coworker until I left the company a few months later. I have a weird sense of pride about the whole thing, but rarely tell the story since I led a secret revolt against HR doesn't exactly make me sound like a stand-up employee. Something to put on your LinkedIn profile. though. Anyway, that's my story. I'm sure there's some other good ones, uh, but this one's one of my favorites. Oh, and thanks for the insanely hilarious episode this week. This was months ago, so I don't know which episode she's talking about. Well, they're all insanely But hilarious. they're all like that. I there was dying and episode. sent it to no less than four of my friends. I well, hope all you. of you will do that. Thank you. I hope that we, um, you are all dying and send it not, to your not, friends. Not literally and not, not by literally. a crocodilian's jaws. Correct. No. Well, thank you. That was a good story. It's a great it. story. I, I, I like revolts. Yeah. I kind of have a certain respect for that. Especially against evil HR. Oh, totally. Not the evil Not HR the evil lady. HR lady. We love you, Suzanne. Love, yeah, exactly. But, you know. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Hostile Work Environment. Woohoo. Woohoo, yeah. Thanks for listening. Um, if you haven't gotten enough of us yet, you could always, you know, follow us on Twitter. 
We're at HWE Podcast. And we're on Facebook. Just look us up. And uh, we've got Patreon if you want to hear more of us. If you want to hear more of us, go to Patreon. It's patreon.com slash. Sorry, I should interrupt you in the middle of the URL. No, no, no. You do it. You do the you do the Earl. The Earl? It's an Earl. Yeah. Like Femla, Earl. <laughs> I, got, I got it. Yeah. Uh, www.patreon.com slash HWE. Correct. And a small donation there, I believe, as small as one dollar a month. Fuck a month. Uh, we'll get you access to our uh, extra episodes, yeah. uh, where basically we, uh, once or twice a month, we put up an episode that's what ten or fifteen minutes long. Yeah, uh, that's basically like, that. like a middle segment of the podcast. Yeah, kinda. And you know, it goes to pay the you know monthly lease on Mark's Lamborghini, which that's right is not cheap. It's not cheap at all, and uh, but it's an opportunity for you to hear more about how much we love you. Right, and you know, some of you were probably gushing. yeah, a little bit. Some of you might be like, you know, I could instead give that money because I hear a dollar a day will like feed a child, and you know, Zambia or something like that. And no, we chose Zambia just because it happens to be our fourth most downloaded country. I know it's that totally. That's why I thought of Zambia. But you know, don't don't give that money to starving <laughs> children. Give it to us because those starving children don't record a podcast that you can listen to. They don't give you squat. I've, I, I've this coming from that. from the one who who just said we don't support evil HR. Right. <laughs> we don't support evil. You know aid programs either no, not at all no not at all but we do support mark's lamborghini yeah, this is making me very uncomfortable i'm sure it would and on that fine note i think we should probably just say goodbye bye all right take care kids your kids are starving carl's jr believes no child should go hungry you are an unfit mother your children will be placed in the custody of carl's jr